breast milk science. It's a thing, and it's our thing. We're Byheart. We're an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We make our formula in our own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania using a small batch manufacturing process that works to preserve the integrity of our ingredients. We ran the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in 25 years and clinically proved benefits like easier digestion, less gas, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. We were the first infant formula company to earn the Clean Label Project Purity Award. And while we've put a lot into Byheart, there's a long list of things you won't see on our ingredient list, like no corn syrup, no maltodextrin, no GMO ingredients, no soy, no palm oil. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. We got different color banners on the bottom because I've this is the first time we're doing NS9 Live, I feel like, in what, four months? Yeah, man, it's been a while. But uh, of course, with us, we have Tyler. So what's going on, my guy? I'm very happy to be back on NS9 Live. Um, it's been a while since we've gotten to talk about just the forest instead of the trees. Huh? I don't know that saying. We've, we've spoken a lot about the forest, not that, or we've spoken a lot about the trees, not the forest. Okay. You know, I guess I, I can, I think I know where you're going with that. And yes, there's not been much big picture talk. I mean, there has because it always leaks in, but, we get an opportunity to kind of reflect here. We were kind of in the dog days of everything. Now we get a chance to kind of look back on everything. For sure. And I'm really excited. I'm and again, I've, I've talked about this before. I, I mean, I've talked about this ever since I've been podcasting. The off season just excites me. I love, I love the off season. And maybe it's because it's, you know, the unknown. You get to speculate, talk things that aren't happening. You get to turn over a brand new leaf, Tyler. Mm-hmm. You do. And uh, and again, like the stuff's subjective. You don't have to talk about things that happen. You can just yeah. kind of shoot the shit in a sense. Man, we so, can uh, speculate to hell. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Love and, uh, speculating. <laughs> and and we got a lot of time to do it. So we, do. I mean, we are officially one week away from our last post-game show. And let's just talk about that. I, I talked a little bit to Jim about it on Starbucks Monday. And nothing has really changed since. How much baseball have you watched since uh, the last Pirates game? Very little. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Very little. Um, I'm. If it's on, I, I'll flip over to it. But at this point, I'm. I mean, we got to remember. I kind of live, breathe baseball from November till 
with this whole podcasting thing, I'm in baseball mode for eight months out of my year. Kind Very of true. enjoying. I'm enjoying the part of not watching it. I I still will turn it on every now and then, but I'm not really consuming it much. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it just felt like a nice week vacation. Like we didn't have to come on at ten o'clock. Like we we're just talking right now. How great is yeah. it? It's nine o'clock. We're coming on. Like when we end this show, roughly around ten, give or take. We have the rest of the night. There's so yeah. much time. We have so many activities we could do. Yeah. And like a week ago, you couldn't do that because you had a post game at probably 1030 yeah. because the bullpen was out there for three hours. Not to mention, we just spent like a, an hour and a half before that trying to figure out who the hell was on. That's true. Because, because it Jim wasn't was Jim. probably out of town. Right. We didn't have a choice. Well, in order can do tonight. Uh, I'm, I have COVID Tyler. Can you do it? I'm at the bar, right? God, first off, I hate this yellow and, and uh, yeah, I, I know I, it's pirates it's yellow. I don't hate bad. it because it's pirates. It's just not for the stream. Bad. It's, this isn't good aesthetically. I'm sorry. And if you know me, I'm, I'm in shambles right now. So I, I, I well, did you change it? No. Well, it's why because is it black I, for me? Oh, it's not. Oh, maybe I have to refresh. I did change it, but it didn't update on my side. So it is now back to black. Because and more I, yellow. I did see it at yellow, and I don't like bright colors. They annoy yes. me. It's fixed. But it's black now. It looks good. All um, right. But speaking of turning over a new leaf, Donardo, we're going to see Tyler in a new light. How? Tyler's going to be much more. Not positive. I shouldn't say that. Tyler might be a bit more professional because I've heard the criticism and Tyler is going to be nicer to people and not as reckless on this show. Did we just do a 180? Is this Freaky Friday? <laughs> Could be. Because I feel the opposite. I've heard the criticism of Tyler. Back to, back to this comment here. Maybe this is what we're talking about. I wasn't. I was just bringing up just a little side note of my life. I'm going to go ahead and try to be more professional on this show. I'm yeah, still going to well, say fuck whenever I want, but we are going to talk about the 2022 Pirates season in review. Uh, we will definitely do that. Yeah, but I mean, but it's this... the 2022 Pirates season review. So anyone really wants to do that or listen to it. So I get it. <laughs> We can wrap that thing up in an hour. But Easy. I'm going to tell you, yeah. Uh, uh, if you've seen the tweet last tonight, clearly, <laughs> uh, you can tell I might be getting a little more feisty. I feel like the old NS9 is coming back out. Because if you knew NS9 back in 15, 16, 17, basically when Ryan was here, let's put it that way. I feel like NS9 has a division, pre-Ryan and post-Ryan. And it was Ryan and I. Man, do we go at people? Do we, we like it was just unfiltered, whatever. And I was always pulling Ryan back a little. I was always like, okay, Ryan, maybe a little too far right now. Let's chill. No, screw them. <laughs> and you know Ryan more than me, or as as well as me right now, right? So uh I was always pulling Ryan in. And then you guys came on and it was like it was kind of Zen North Shore Nine. You were the and middle just, ground. You were the middle ground there. 
I was not Ryan. I was just off the Tyler. deep end. I, I was me. And I am who I am. We just live with that. But I'm going to try to reel it in a little bit. And Jim is Jim, which people, for some reason, people love Jim. But he's probably the worst of us all. You know, it's funny is I kind of felt the way you're what you're saying right now about Jim. I felt like he had this. This persona of like, yeah, he's loved. It's Jim. I think he has a lot of people that really hate him. It, it's funny. Like the more I see him tweeting, because, you know, now I know him better now than I did before. Right. And I think a lot of people actually hate him. And that's great. And I love it. <laughs> but you know They're what? Not- they are not as vocal as they are with me. God damn it. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's move forward. Let's talk about this 2022 season. So like I said, well, I guess like you said, we talked a lot about the trees, but not so much the forest. I think we can kind of wrap up and talk about... That was, my, that was my Tomlinism of the day. That's nice. Expand that vocabulary. Trying. But... You know, we can actually look at the season like as a whole generals, not talk about how someone went over four with four Ks today and there was an error made and there, you know, just just miserable stuff. Nothing's yeah. gonna be great, but let's talk about the season in general. I guess maybe the expectations. Your expectations coming into 2022 and then what existed. Um, I think that's it's definitely something we'll probably revisit on the over under show we did, but I feel like it's about where we thought they would be. Uh, it was a really long walk for a short drink of water. Another Tomlinism. I'm just going to throw them in all day. Yeah, but, but you love that one. That's becoming a Tylerism. That, that, that one's been a Tylerism for a while. And it's usually directed at me, but anyways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 100 losses. I don't think any of us expected much more than that. At most, I think we were all on the same page. Like 70 wins, 72 wins in that area, we'd, we'd feel good about because that means they're taking a step forward. They didn't. They did what we expected them to, and it's kind of where we all ended up, drinking right. that water. Right. You pretty much felt anywhere between 60, 65 wins was about that sweet spot. You know, it didn't have to be. Like, that was our biggest takeaway this offseason. It didn't have to be. The division is in a very sad state. I mean, hell, the Cardinals won it. The Cardinals won it. They brought back pool holes. They had Yachty Molina, who's like one of the worst catchers in baseball, Adam Wainwright comes back. He's 78 years old. Like, it was the trios. You know what? If we're not going to win, let's bring nostalgia. I mean, how many times did we say that? I feel like the offseason. Like, listen, you're not going to win. Let's just be nostalgic about it. And they went and won it <laughs> because yeah. his division's so bad. So, like, the Pirates could have taken that step just by complimenting this roster with some competent veterans, and they didn't. So, with that said, as you mentioned, you're probably looking about 60, 65 wins around there. And that's pretty much where they hit right at 100 loss season. So I think the expectation of like the win loss was about, about right. Yeah. And it was more of a, it doesn't have to be this, but this is where we expect it to be. There were plenty of things that could have been done to not be there, but that's where they ended up. This, this, we talked about it all off season. This should have been a, 
2011 type year. Maybe mm. not where they have that stretch where they're 48 and 43, but they should have ended up at, you know, 70 wins. I think they went, they won 72 that year, something like that. I'll but assume they, it because you said it. I'm, I'm guessing off the top of my head, but that's probably where they should have been this year if they do things correctly. But obviously they are full blown rebuilding still. Yeah. Yep. And I just feel like this off season to look forward a tad here, this off season, I feel like represents hopefully what should have been last off season. Like this is the one where they might start pressing on the accelerator, complimenting this team, some mm-hmm. true leadership move forward. Again, we're not asking for the world. No one's talking wild card here. So if you're talking wild card last year, please don't talk wild card this year either, but at least a step in the right direction. I'm hoping that's what this offseason brings. But regardless, 2022 didn't. You had Josh Vamir on opening day. Then I'm not going to go down the list in that sense. Yeah. But yeah. I think overall the expectations were pretty much about what you expected. Um, I'll put it this way. I was I was even anticipating maybe it not being this bad for so long. Maybe yeah. like some of the calls coming up some success. I, I don't know. I, I felt like we were going to see a little bit better baseball earlier than what we ended up seeing, which ended up being like in, in September. They did have 72. Look at you, Tyler. I got a brain on me. I'll tell you. It's good with numbers. I, I don't know about brain, but it's good with numbers. <laughs> it is. It is. So, I don't know. Like, where do you want to go from here? Do we want to talk about? No, but just to touch on what you just said, I, you're on the, I think I absolutely agree with you. I could handle the 100 loss season. If we're talking about a team that had O'Neill Cruz up here at a normal time. And we dealt with struggles. We didn't watch, watch a Josh Van Meter. We didn't watch a Yoshi. We didn't watch everything that got shoved down our throat. I can deal with that. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart. An infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I can't deal with what we dealt with and then end up as a 100-loss team. If they end up as a 100-loss team because the prospects aren't performing, at least you're trying. Mm -hmm. You're at least showing we want to build towards something. Yeah, Pittsburgh Sports all-time says, but here's the thing. I think they did take a step forward 
They would have had a lot more wins if the bullpen stayed healthy. I think the step forward is somewhat subjective in, in ways, but again, going with the bullpen, they also took step backwards in some areas too. So I th- they certainly did take a step forward, but it was in, like they were getting shoved off the ledge forward. Like O'Neill Cruz had to come up. Ronzi had to come up. There were a lot of guys that were just banging on the door that had to be there. So they took a step forward, but they also didn't. They didn't leap forward like I think we would hope them to. That's a good way of putting it. There were some individual performances where, you know, like they did. And you can even like include Jack Sawinski in there. Uh Even in his up and down season, ends up being almost a two war season. And with that being said, think about like what the right field represented the past few years. It was pretty much a black hole as well. So like even him being there was like a step forward in that sense. But it's like what was supplemented around all that was just very, very, very bad players, which just took away from so much. And not to mention, Donardo, we had Jack Sawinski in the minors, and then we had Ronzi in the minors. And O'Neill Cruz in the minors. I'm talking about after they came up. Right. No, I know. I know. I know. I don't want to take us down that rabbit hole. That's like a gym (laughs) episode where we can just sit back and let him complain. But yeah, they... They, I think they certainly took a step forward just because it was an absolute necessary step forward where these prospects were at that point where they had to. I don't think they actually took a step forward as an organization or did anything that pushes them forward. That's a good way. And, and like back to Charrington's comments, you know, when they asked him about like, as being a pirate fan, seeing this through, whatever. And he was like, you know, part of the excitement is watching these guys develop, you know, the prospects coming up, watching them develop. Say what you want about that. I can, he, he says it terribly in his actions. What I'm going to say as well, coming up here is part of it, but I can understand that. Like O'Neill Cruz is why Ronzi Contreras is why Jack Swinsky is why we wanted to tune in this year. It's not because this team was going to win. We knew it was about a hundred loss season, but you wanted to get excited. You want to see the talents. You want to see what the future represents. So yeah, you're tuning into a bad team for this, for the development. So like what he's saying is correct. Partly the issue is again, what he built around that was just so pathetic. You know, when you supplement that with Josh fam eater and, and Hey, Yoshi, again, we, we were all on board with the signing. It was a low risk reward type of thing he didn't work out you cut him no big deal but like there's so many guys around this organization that were just so pathetic that just brought that down you know like the pro was to see O'Neill Cruz and then the con is everyone else and it just evens out and you're just like eh I don't really care anymore so right like there were certainly steps forward but it just seemed like it was just washed away because of what was supplemented around the team you hit the nail on the head there it's and it just goes back to, I, I mean, part of the fun was certainly we talked about it all year. We talked about before the season, this team will be fun to watch or at least watchable in June. Well, we didn't really get to that point. We had to wait another like three months 
September was enjoyable a little bit, but by that mm -hmm. point, everybody's tuned out. <laughs> yeah. We don't care at that point. We were starting to get tuned out. <laughs> yeah, I, I will fully admit I was super tuned out by August because we had to watch them shove absolute crap down our throat. Mm -hmm. And then in, in September, they decided, okay, now we'll maybe like give you what you want. I mean, kind of, yeah. But and like the thing about the bullpen too, that was like, the bullpen is the, the easiest thing to fix. I guess I'll take that back. I don't want to say easy as if like, well, anyone can just do it, but it's, it's, it's the cheapest way to do it. You know what I mean? Like if you need to build an offense, like that's nine guys. That's that could be a lot of money. Like a bullpen you could put together fairly cheap to be competent. And and like that was missed this year. You know, they talked about the depth. Like there just wasn't depth. There hasn't been depth for years. And again, just totally missed this year. So the way I'd put it is the bullpen is where your GM shows his chops for scouting, for signing, for finding guys. Ben Sherrington did not show an ounce of scouting development, any sort of chops this year. Mm -hmm. That's where you make your bread as a general manager of a major league baseball club. That's where you can really make out. And for three years, he has done very poorly at that. Throughout major league baseball, the top guys are paid but the best bullpens are full of guys that are making close to league minimum and they are found on the scrap heap. Because and I keep going back. Okay. If they're making money, they're probably not good anymore. That's a good way of putting it. It's like a running back in, in the NFL. That's, that's a regret. That's really, yeah, I like that. Don't spend on them unless they are absolutely elite. And even then, don't overspend on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is true. I mean, we, we talk about that. We definitely have. I love that analysis, though, the running back at NFLs. And if you are paying them, they're probably not good anymore. Because it, it, kind of, it kind of is. And again, it's not a foolproof statement. It's not everybody. But there's a good chance it's that case. And, and what I want to allude to is, as I keep pointing up and saying, like, you know, Baltimore had a lot of success this year. Everyone was counting them out. And I know they didn't bring up um, their catching prospect, right? I laid until rushing. later. But, of course, there was part of injury to it. Like, I can understand why they didn't. But regardless, like, they brought them up and, like, things just clicked that point in time. Like, they were good. But, 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 that team built a bullpen. And, again, it's just as you stated, if you look at how that bullpen was built and created and constructed, most of them, were waiver wire pickups or, you know, dealt in trades. And all, like no one was getting paid, you know, and they, and they traded their closer. Think about it. And they traded their closer the deadline. And they brought this dude up who the pirates saw like firsthand right away, just blowing by a hundred plus miles an hour. He looked good. So it's like the bullpen could be a positive without having to actually invest much into it. And, having a good bullpen could do so much for your team. Just as the comment here was made by whomever I forget now, I think it was Pittsburgh sports. I think so. But it's like, I mean, it's not like it's going to win 20 wins on this season. Right. But it puts you in a lot better situations. Absolutely. And I mean, 
we watch Neil Huntington with all of his warts. If there is one thing that fellow could do, he could build a bullpen. He wasn't great at much else, but he could build a bullpen. We have not seen that yet from Ben Sherrington. I do think he, I think next year we're going to see a much better bullpen. But he also gave up a good bit of major league talent in order to do so. It almost goes back to your line in the sense of it's being forced there. Like you're going to have it just because the guys are there via some trade, right? And and that's why we did think the second half was going to be better, of course. Injuries derailed that, of course, and whatnot. But uh, when you have a manager has to overwork that bullpen because your GM didn't provide you a bullpen, that kind of happens. But yeah, I think next year it definitely can be. Like there were a lot of people talking about the bullpen this year and how it's good. And the thing was, it wasn't good. But there are some parts that can be good. There was just a few, though, and that was the problem. And I feel like next year those parts will return. They probably won't get as overworked. You did add some in trades. You got some guys coming up through the you know the monitors and such. So I think the bullpen can be competent next year. Yeah. I mean, if you really look down the line, you got Bednar, you got Holderman. You got either Oviedo or Ortiz, although I'd like to see Ortiz actually in the minors developing as a starter if that's the case. But there's three guys right there. You also got De Los Santos. There are arms down there, but we're also talking about, you know, Oviedo, Holderman, Bednar, three dudes that were acquired by giving up major league useful players. That's the frustrating part of it. It's a, it's a piece of your team that you can build much more efficiently than that, I think. And we haven't seen that done yet. You know, the De Los Santos of the world, he, He's a new Huntington guy, but even an Oviedo and a Holderman, those were two like useful major league pieces. I know they're rentals. Probably we we're both on the same well, page. Vogelbach wasn't really. I mean, the one thing I'll say is Vogelbach was, but I mean, right. the Quintana one, I'm okay with. I will always be okay with that. Um, I would have felt it would be dumb not to trade Quintana. Song for another time. Sure. <laughs> um, but either way, I just in general, I don't love building your bullpen off of trading major league players. And I, we haven't seen, we haven't seen that diamond in the rough that he has found yet. Sherrington. We haven't seen a Jason Grilly. Yep. We haven't. And it's not to say, It's not to say he can't because I truly, I feel like the problem is he's not invested into trying at this point in time. I mean, look at everything else that's been around. It's not as if he tried to build an outfield. It's not as if he tried to build an infield. It's not as he tried to have some catching depth in Tampa. You know what I mean? He hasn't tried to build a team. Well, that's, that's what I'm alluding to. To, to be fair in this, I'm not impressed with Sherrington yet, but I also don't think he is even trying. And that's a problem, of course. You don't have to just simply not try. You should also 
try. You can try to do some things while you're rebuilding to have some competency and not, you know, blow everyone's arm out while you're trying to do it. And so that's where I'm just kind of at with this also. In, in three years, we might be talking about a good bullpen. It, it could. I'm not saying it's going to, but like in three years, you could be doing it. And it's just the problem is right now we don't have the faith because he's not even attempting to. So like to me, a lot of this is inconclusive with him, which is a problem. But it's just, you know, he, he hasn't really attempted to. He doesn't care about the major league roster. It's pretty evident. No, I'm, I mean, I'm completely with you. It's just something I don't want to take us down that rabbit hole right now. I know. I know. But, but it we, is part of 2022. No, it, That's why this season yeah. existed because no, there exact- really wasn't any concern about supplementing these young guys with anything was, worth a damn. There just was not one ounce of try in this team. There was no compete. There was no ounce of effort put into the major league roster. And I don't even care like the compete thing. Uh, I guess that subjectively what, what you mean by that, when you hear that, you know, compete for what a wild card division, I think just be competitive, be competent. Competency is my big thing for this year, because I don't think anyone's looking at them competing for stuff just to be competent was something that didn't, have to be avoided. And they avoided it like the plague. <laughs> and, you know, like, like Vogelbach hit, uh, I, like, I'm not trying to take away from things that he did happen to do. Like he did sign Quintana, Quintana hit in a big way. Like he'd signed Vogelbach and it was mixed. I mean, Vogelbach had a good, you know, good year. He's an all-star one time, but it, you know, he didn't have these great seasons recently. And he was pretty damn productive for the Pirates and able to flip him. But I kind of feel like that was kind of luck for them two guys in a, in a sense. That was about $5 million. It was. I don't know. No, it was less. Three. It was three and a half. Yeah. I'm going to say three or bit. three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, it was the absolute bare minimum that you could do coming into a season. Which is excusable if you are going to go ahead and let the young guys run. They did not. Instead, we got Josh Van Meter shoved down our freaking throat. 192 plate appearances. <laughs> God, I, I'm trying not to take us back down the like post game show rabbit hole here. Or we just complain about it over and over. We never got to talk to him as an overall thing. It was just every night going over. I know. I know. <laughs> we talked about but the force, man. <laughs> for God's sake. This, this was an embarrassment. This was embarrassing. If you're a general manager, I don't, I don't know how Derek Shelton doesn't resign. If he had any pride, he would resign. I would say, nope, we're done here. This is a, this is an absolute joke. You're not going to force me to play Josh Van Meter and hit him second. Wait, did you mean Shelton or Charrington? Shelton. Oh, did you say I, Shelton? Yes. Oh, I would. Bad. I If he had any pride, he would have walked right into that office and been like, we're done here. Like, you're not going to make me have another year of a 400 win percentage. I'm done. I'm never getting another job again. 
No, that's that's funny. I, I thought you said Charrington, so I was thinking that doesn't make sense. He's the one to put the team together. No. Shelton walking out, yeah, that'd have been funny. Could you imagine? I, I would have been. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be your scapegoat here. Whenever we're four years in and we're still terrible, and then you decide to fire me after you finally decide to call everyone up. Right. That was my yeah. Night. <laughs> That's, That's it. All I got. I'm going back to Zen. We still got like 30 minutes of the show at least. We're going back. We to haven't Zen even. Yet. We haven't gotten to everyone else. We're just on the bullpen. Good lord. But anyways, um, I, I guess the, yeah. I mean, the compass is all like just talking about the bullpen specifically. It could have been better, but hey, David David Benar returned. He ended up being the closer. Put the trade behind. Let's don't talk about Joe Musgrove in this. Just. David Benor's a pirate. David Benor's himself. There was a lot of things that I got excited about with David Benor last year. And again, it started from spring training. I felt like the very first outing in spring I saw from him, I was like, okay, I'm interested in this guy. He's got some stuff. And he showed a really good season last year. Comes in this year to be the closer. He starts out with a very, very solid season. Then he has to go three innings against the Dodgers so they can win a game. Starts to get overworked. Ends up on the IL. I think it's a mixed bag for him. But hey, ends up at one and a half war. Was an all-star this year. Good for him. Pitching the all-star game. But uh, for David Bednar, ends up 51.2 innings pitched in 45 games. 2-6-1 ERA. <sighs> so David Bednar is in the bullpen. <laughs> that was good. No, he, he's a very good pitcher. He's honestly a an elite bullpen arm he's a guy that's on a very bad team that they should honestly look to deal but that's neither here nor there Um, we never got to that because he was injured by the way right you and i really wanted to talk about that with jim right that that's something we'll probably get down at some point with jim on here but he's a guy that he's a very, very good bullpen arm. One of the best in the major leagues. And as you already mentioned, the team burned him to death. I Fortunately, I think we got out of the season without it really being an arm issue. So that's a positive, probably for the best that he ended up really kind of getting shut down. Because they would have burned him into a hundred innings the way that Shelton was using him. Yeah. So, mixed bags probably a right way to put it, but if he pitches the whole year in a correct usage, he might be the most valuable reliever in the majors because we had a half a year of him and he had a one and a half year or one and a half war. Yeah. Yep. We're talking about a three war reliever. Yeah. That's basically that's elite. Maybe a little less. I mean, it was still forty five games he pitched. So maybe two and a half war. That's Even still that, elite. That's that still is, elite. I mean, that's Mark Melanson at his best. And Mark Melanson was extremely good. Mm, he was. Certainly was. David Bednar, I mean, he he proved to me this year that he is in I, 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 he is elite. He is one of the elite guys in the league. He has the stuff. Like he has that mentality. We saw it against the Cubs. <laughs> Um, I, he presents everything you want in a closer. So 
I'm good with it. And yes, the season was productive. I'm ready for him to like take the reins into the future, be that closer. I mean, the one thing about Pittsburgh, and again, I know a lot of it's no Huntington, as you mentioned. Like even when they're bad, they always have that dude in the bullpen. They've they've had him for years. They've had him for years, and David Bernard gets to carry that torch now for this team. Even when it was uh God. I can't think of the guy's name. That was the closer for a while. Anyhow, but just imagine, I don't get my wish, you don't get your wish. They don't trade David Bednar, which wish is extreme. Can you just imagine a postseason game with David Bednar running out there to Renegade at PNC? Yes. Yes. That will be one of the most magical moments of all time. Yeah, I don't want to start talking about that because it might make me sad. But I'm just like thinking about like what you're saying. Like, imagine a playoff game, the the first playoff game back in just, you know the Pirates. Tyler, playoffs, just imagine a playoff game. Yeah, just imagine that. <laughs> like, imagine a playoff game. <laughs> Hell, just but imagine you're absolutely a correct. You, like normal game. Like, I can't compare it to the Quato moment because it was a moment. No. Yeah. But, like, when he comes out to Renegade, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, like that stadium's going like, to blow up. Like a postseason game with David Bednar running out. You think that the trumpets are cool? Just wait. The trumpets are kind of cool. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm sorry. pretty dope. The trumpets are religious. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I I don't know if this compares to the trumpets by any means, but the meaning behind it and the city of Pittsburgh behind it is on a whole nother level. Like to the city of Pittsburgh, that means a whole hell of a lot more than Edwin Diaz and the trumpets. But trumpets are cool, but the crowd for the renegade would be better. As long as there's like 40-some thousand people in the crowd. Too. Well, I'm, ta- I'm talking a playoff game, Donardo. Again, I uh, digress. <laughs> but yeah. No, get out of here, Connor. I, I, the Mets have run trumpets into the ground. It's corny. I mean, whatever you say, but you're wrong. It's, I mean, it's still cool. Um, I don't like that they claim it. Like, Wilson Contreras has been doing it for a while. Or what's the name? Which is... Um, not Wilson. Um, not Wilson, his brother. William. William, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing it, which is funny because they're in the same series. Yeah. And Contreras came out to like, <laughs> Diaz and yeah. he struck out. But yeah. Like he um, wasn't stealing it. They've just been both doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, yeah. They've, uh, so let's keep going down this bullpen. So like it, it was just bad. But I guess let's talk about this. Who were some guys that maybe stood out that you didn't ex- – this might be a bad – I mean, because no one really – no one was I mean, good. So if I say who stood out that you weren't expecting to, no one really, I guess, stood out. I don't know. Was there someone that stood out that you weren't expecting to? Not that I didn't expect to. I guess, like, if we're really going to go down that spot, maybe Holderman, but I kind of expected him to be good in the pen. But like it wasn't really with the Pirates either. Like it's still a carryover from the Mets, really, that you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, De Los Santos, we we were excited for him. Aside from him, it was a bag of shit. Um, 
again, it was just a bad question because there really isn't many of those. De Los Santos is a good example of one. You know, he, he was a guy that had some intrigue last year. He's on the 40-man. Going to be a reliever, but he, he's, he's got some stuff. Comes up this year, 25 innings. Yes, he had a 4.91 ERA at the end of the day, but he got injured. His last outing, which he earned, he got credited zero innings pitch. So this added four earned runs on his total. He had four, you know, again, his last outing had four earned runs. But, like, when you look at the entire sample, there's some intrigue with him. Like, he looks like a reliever. He looks like he could potentially be a back-end type of guy. So, hopefully, healthy De Los Santos comes in next year. He's in the rotate or he's in the bullpen. See what he got. Yeah. That I mean, he's really the only guy I think we can look at in this bullpen. I also maybe Stevenson, he did pitch well with the Pirates. He's not a guy I'm really invested in, but he had a good little run. He so I think I presented a question. In our group you, chat, you did. and I, whatever. And first off, screw Jim, anyways. But I was like, if you had to keep one, and Jim's like, well, I'm not keeping any. I'm like, great, that's not the game. But anyways, I love how once again Jim <laughs> is the most negative of all of us. Right. The game is if you have to keep just one, and it's Dwayne Underwood Jr. or it's Robert Stevenson. Who are you keeping? And I say that to let me kind of go off on this too before you answer it. I say that too because. I've given more props, I think, to Dwayne Underwood Jr. And I'm not saying he's good, but I've given more props that I do believe that he is a more competent pitcher than what shows. Again, the workload is a whole lot. But like when you look at his FIP, look at everything else, like it's it's not a like it wasn't a terrible season at the end of the day. It was not a terrible, terrible season. Like he even had a 0.9 war. Like he almost was a one war pitcher. I know a lot of that is like with inning and such, but like regardless. I felt like if if Dwayne Underwood Jr. was on, I'm trying to think of a team that would like probably even roster him, but also be in the maybe the Braves. If Dwayne Underwood Jr. was on the Braves, I feel like he'd be a good piece. It's not that they're relying on him, but he would fit there. He would get you through the sixth inning, seventh inning if need be, or whatever. He's not fancy. No one's talking excited about him, but he's not hurting you. I think that could be Dwayne Underwood Jr. I really do. I mean, he he might be like your last arm in the pen. He might, but he he's not bad. I don't, and I actually I appreciate what Dwayne Underwood Jr. has done because he's eaten a ton of innings in two years, and mostly stayed healthy doing it. Somehow. A ton of innings. He has been like starter quality or starter amount of innings. So I appreciate that, but I'm taking Stevenson there. Stevenson showed a little bit. I think he had a 312-ish ERA. Guessing off the top of my head with the 338. Yeah, close. But 281 fit in yeah. the 13.1 innings. I mean, he had a few bad outings. He was a little erratic, but he's the guy that actually shows that he has some stuff, which we haven't seen in a while with this bullpen. Dwayne Underwood Jr. doesn't really have much stuff. He's just kind of an arm that has gotten some outs for the team. So yeah. I would take Stevenson there. I appreciate Underwood. He's done a lot for the team on a very bad team, but I'll take the upside there. Either way, if both of them were gone, I wouldn't lose now to sleep. 
I'm with you on that, and that's why I asked it. Because, I mean, Underwood has been a big part of this bullpen to the degree that he has. Um, and I could I could see him being here next year. But that's where I'm at. I feel like he just kind of is what he is. And again, I, I don't think he's terrible. But I kind of feel like I like the upside in Stevenson. I like what he could present. And here's the thing, too. Like, we're actually at the point now where there are some bullets in this bullpen. Like, there, there's something coming we talked about. So I was like, if Stevenson doesn't work out, then you just simply just DFA him next year. Yeah. But what he could bring in this limited time that he was here, but even before he came, when the Pirates scooped him up off of the Rockies, all three of us were like, hmm. You know what? This is one that I don't hate. All the other moves they made were just pathetic. It just seems like this desperation and we need a body. You're alive. Come pitch for the Pirates because this is the only way we can get you to. With Stevenson, it was like, you know what? Let's see. Let's see this through. And yeah. he didn't let you down, you know? I mean, if you're interested in him, he basically gave you exactly what you wanted to see. So at this point, like, I'm still based on how this offseason goes, based on whatever acquisitions they make, I wouldn't mind him being on the team next year. And again, if he's simply not good, you DFA him. I'm not going to lie. I'm just trying to think of which year Francisco Liriano had a 338 ERA. He was either 14 or 15. Like, what are you looking at, man? No, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I feel like it was 15. They get a 338 ERA that year. Anyhow. You know, it's funny. I do know he had a 338 ERA. I it do remember that number. Because it, it was, was 302 14. and 2013. 13. 338 okay. and 14. Hmm. And then 13 was 302. 13 was 302. Is this the Tyler Flex show, or are we going to talk about the 2022 Pirates? Like, I'm not even looking at my phone. We know. What was 15? Well, the NS9 what, was, what was 15? He 337, Tyler. Okay. Yeah, he was real close. Okay. But 2015. Hmm. Are we done, Tyler? What are we doing here? I'm thinking. Hold on. What are you doing? What year do you have a 291? Somewhere around there. 292, maybe? I don't know. But that was with the Twins. 216 in 2006. 216, yeah, that's it. Struck out like 11 and something. 10.71. Eh, close. Eh. Why are we doing this? Because I like to flex. <laughs> Shut up, Tyler. <laughs> you right, said 338. From... In my defense, you said 338. I automatically thought back to Liriano had that one year. Whatever. Okay, so we're talking about the bullpen for way too long, by the way. AJ yes. Burnett had like a 351. Not even looking. Was there anyone else in this bullpen that kind of stood out for you? No. No? Okay. No. I want to talk about this one guy, though, as well, and it kind of goes in the Underwood scenario, but I will say, like, I I don't know what his future is going to hold. He will be in the bullpen next year for sure, regardless, okay. but I still have intrigue over Will Crow. What his role can be in the bullpen, again, simply just put out there every freaking day for three innings, it felt like, and he pitched 300 innings in the bullpen this year. He, he just completely broke down in my eyes. I'm willing to give him another shot next year, see what we can do, and a managed, true, like, one, multi, one to two multi-inning inning, um, relief role. I don't know, Tyler, go talk. No, I, 
I actually really agree with you there. I kind of forgot he existed because he was kind of off radar for a long time once they burned him into the ground. And I just sort of forgot about him. But yeah, I I think there, we've been on the Will Crow train for a while and we jumped off and we jumped back on and we jumped off. But yeah, I'd like to see him more in, even if it's the multi-inning role, it needs to be more managed. He can't be yes. going out there throwing three innings every like every other day. I mean, the guy threw seventy four innings in the bullpen this year, and he didn't pitch for how many months? <laughs> uh, not months, but he was out for a little bit of time. Yeah, but, but he was kind. They really limited him towards the end. He, yes, because he was getting lit up because they burnt the hell out of him. Yeah, it was like mid mid August. I'm thinking is when he might be wasn't feeling right because that's when he started using. He's pretty pretty often after that. Then there was a bit of time in mid August where he wasn't used that often. Looks like tw- just twice within a two week span. But but the, uh, anyways, but the innings started to shrink a bit. Mm-hmm. We weren't and. I think he's a guy that you definitely can use in that kind of role. And I think it's useful, but it needs to be if we're going to use him for two days or for two innings, I should say he needs two days off. Yes. And actually the funny thing is, is at the end of the year, he was, he actually was back his uh, three out of the last five outings. He pitched two innings before that. He didn't pitch more than one inning. I'm sorry, more than 1.2 innings since July 5th. So he went back to the old crow the last week, it seems. Yeah, I know when I know when we talked about him before, I thought that he could become maybe a Chris Davinsky type that the Astros used. We saw what happened with Davinsky. The Astros used the hell out of him. I think he threw 100 innings that one year, and he was unhittable. But then he fizzled out. Will Crow could be in that mold, but he's also a guy that you can't just burn up to death like they did. And right. you also can't throw him out there for one inning. Think he's good in two days. Throw him for three. He's he's got to be on a reliever schedule. Well, if you have more relievers in the bullpen, Ben Charrington, you could do that for Derek Sean. Yeah, but that's why I just want to say that I just wanted to go ahead and say his name. Just for the same reasons I talked about him right before he really started blowing up and said at the end of the year, you're going to talk about Will Crow and how bad he is, but it's not his fault. And that's why I still have intrigue for him next year in the bullpen. Like, I'm not looking at his end of year ERA to say this is Will Crow because, again, just completely mismanaged. He could. I'm not saying he's going to be good and elite, but like, he could be a serviceable multiple inning guy to get you through when you need it. I mean, he does have stuff to be elite in the way that he could be used. If you're creative with him, he could be elite. He, if the pirates had a brain and could actually create something here, there, there are very good uses for Will Crow. Okay. Like if they really want to go piggyback, he'd be a great piggyback guy. When they were, that, that was his forte at the beginning of the year. Like he, he should, but he should be the second guy. 
come out, throw three, you're done for. But they're not smart. It is what it is. <laughs> okay. Um, we so are that, 50 minutes in. We're just getting through the bullpen. That pretty much wraps up the bullpen. Thank God. Safe to say, right? Nothing yeah. really else stands out in the there. bullpen here. Okay, cool. Here. Then uh, let's get to the starters. I think the starting pitching, if you want to say steps forward, I think the biggest steps forward was the starting pitching. And again, it's, it's the parts. It's the trees in the forest. It's the few of them. The biggest one that mattered, though, is the one that really did it. And, of course, with Mitch Keller. But, I mean, Zach Thompson is just bad. Bryce Wilson is just bad. Jose Quintana like came in, and he did the damn thing. He provided a lot of innings this rotation needed at a time. Some competency for the bullpen at that time. Um, but, like, Mitch Keller... Even JT Brubaker, you know, I, I think there's some conversation we have about him, like what he truly is on a good team. Is he a starter? Is he a bullpen? Um, but like those two guys, even JT Brubaker, again, looking at his end of the years, we look at he has a four six nine ERA. Like he made some steps forward though this year. He he, did. he answered some questions, took some steps forward. Mitch Keller again certainly did. And Rowan Z, his rookie year, he was fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a long pause there. Ronzi was fine. I think I think that's the best way to put it for Ronzi. He was fine. Not, I mean, there's there's some concerns, but I think it was it wasn't Mitch Keller's rookie year. And then speaking of Mitch Keller, that's a step forward that we absolutely had to see. He had to take the step forward, and he's the guy that this team really needs to become what he was this year. Mm -hmm. And even looking back at what he did after he added that two-seamer, if he can continue to do that, that definitely speeds up this rebuild. And then just going on to that, we saw... We saw Oviedo pitch, I mean, decently well. We saw Luis Ortiz come up. I mentioned after our postgame shows that if you squint a little bit, I think you can start to see a bit of a rotation building here. Yes. Uh, and I really do think that we're starting to see some sort of cohesion here with the rotation. I'm not screaming for Oscar Marine to get fired as much as I was a few months ago. I still don't care for him, but I'm not screaming for it. That's probably the best way of putting it because I know I was screaming for it. I was screaming for it. Get this guy away from here. And the Cole, Han uh, Cole Hamels, you know, I wish Cole Hamels. Uh, <laughs> you know how good I am with names. Um, God, now I don't even have the name. You killed it off me too. Uh, I know. Yankees. God. Brain not working. Hoy Park, Diego Castillo, Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes. Yes, Clay Holmes. Like just seeing that happen, that was it for me. Clay Holmes is what did it for me. You had me and stuck it, on Cole Tucker. And it wasn't so much because of what Clay Holmes is doing in New York. It's the fact that Mitch Keller had to go to Clay Holmes to learn how to pitch effectively. But regardless, 
I'm not pounding the table anymore. But I'm not complaining if he's let go this offseason by any yeah, means. Any means. I'm still probably in favor of it. Let's just do better. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at here. I don't know that he's added much to this team. I still don't. I mean, we saw Mitch Keller get better under him. I don't know. We saw much more get better. JT Brubaker, as you said, still we're around a four seven ERA. It's not good. No, it's not good it's enough. Not. Um, that was a long question. We will check that in a minute. I get distracted. I'm sorry. I have ADHD. <laughs> you're good. I'll read it while you're talking. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but now I'm off track. I don't. I don't really. I don't care either way. If Oscar Marine gets fired, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I'm. My sights have been on Andy Haynes at this point because he has not improved a damn soul. I'm with you. Listen, if we're, let me just sum this up in total with you. Every single coach on this team can go. They, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I am not going to be upset if what coaches let go. I might be upset if Summer's there. Still there. Again, like with Oscar Marine, I'm not gonna be upset if he's still here, but I'm with you. Like Andy Haynes, I'm perfectly okay with going with like every single coach on this team can absolutely be sent away, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I I, I mean I do think we're we're closing in on that point where we might see a shift that Ben Sheraton needs to fire coaches to speed up this rebuild. Because we saw it with the Cubs when they hired Joe Madden. That thing sped that rebuild right up. Fortunate and pay dividends for the Angels, but yes, on the Cubs. Speaking of which, could the Pirates hire Joe Madden? Do they like wine? Are they old enough to drink wine? <laughs> I'm going to be I, I wouldn't hate <laughs> if they hired Joe Madden at this point. I don't care. Yeah. That's another question for the offseason. Sure. But anyways... I'm um, still trying to get through this question here. I'm like halfway through it. Well, I'll tell you what. You read the question, and I'll keep going too, talk my sense here. I can't um, see that far. But, but I'm absolutely with you. Like the, the pitching, to me, that was the biggest leap forward. And a lot of it had to do with Mitch Keller. But, you know... If we were to predict, like if this was a year ago, and we're going to talk, what do you see with the 2023 season as far as the rotation goes? I would have put money that Mitch Keller ends up being DFA'd. Again, if I had to pick or choose which one of the is going to be, if he's going to be a part of this or DFA'd, I was probably leaning towards DFA. It's probably not on this team. Ronzi needs to come up and be performing well. And then I don't know. Like Quentin Priestley needs to come up and do well. I don't know what we have after that. Like you're going to have to sign a lot of vets. And now we have answers that Mitch Keller is good. He's good. I'm not saying he's an ace. I don't think he has ace stuff, but damn it, he's good. And again, I'm focused on, do we have five good pitchers? I don't care about one through five. Is there five good pitchers? Keller definitely is one. Rowansy was, was fine. And I want to say that too. I'm with you. Like he showed, he showed reasons to get excited. He showed 
reasons you think he's got a lot more in there. But then there were certain things that he lacked on. You know, he, he didn't put it all together. And not to discount him, but he was fine. It's what I want to see out of rookie season from him. Let's build upon it next year, hopefully. Uh, Luis Ortiz. Again, small sample. There's some intrigue there. There's certainly some intrigue there. And, and even with Brew Baker, like if I think he's a competent number five for almost any team, I'm okay with him being in this rotation as well. Um, hopefully, people push him out. That would be a good thing. But I'm perfectly okay with him being in the rotation for next year as well. And you sign a veteran, and you still have, um, you know, Oviedo lurking there and such. And of course, Potentially coming up is Priester, as we mentioned, Burroughs. So, like, there's definitely bullets in this rotation now. Like, what was a clear weakness starts, I'm not going to say a strength, but starts to tighten up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely starting to come together. Like you said, Bru- I think we're on the same page with Brubaker. He's a fine number five. But you hit the nail on the head there with he's a guy that is probably my first one out of the rotation because we know what he is. Can I ask you something else in regards to that too? Not even so much what he is, but this is like my whole Chad Cole thing. Brubaker is my new Chad Cole. Do do you, and uh, we talked about Brubaker. Like we, we felt he was more of a bullpen guy anyways, Mm -hmm. but he's fine as a starter. Do you think he could be more than just fine as a reliever? I do, but I I don't know if that ship has kind of sailed there because he's thrown so many innings at this point. And they probably already kind of blew right past that with him not throwing at all and then just ramping him right up. Yeah. Once again, an innings management thing that they did poorly on. He was just kind of hostage in that situation. Another Mike Tomlin out of me. But I I I fully would be okay letting him try. I'm not getting rid of him. I would put him in the bullpen and then go from there, but he's certainly probably my first one out of the rotation. Okay. If if someone were to get signed, I but I also think the first one out of the rotation will be Luis Ortiz. He's going to go to the AAA and they'll try to hone some more skills and save money, which I will be okay with rather than putting him in the bullpen because I don't want to take away from. He's a guy that I don't want to throw in the bullpen yet until absolutely necessary. So, okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I wouldn't hate to see him in the, in the bullpen to start out. But that's another time to talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I'm with you too. Like I think the reason too I talk about this and like I debate it is simply the fact that I don't want to say Brubaker is a reliever to discount him being an actual fine number five starter. I think he can be that. But I do have intrigue. Like I I wonder how effective Brubaker could be in the in a reliever role, and like could it be a real weapon, especially for a bullpen that could use someone maybe to be a real weapon. So that's yeah. part of it too. You know, like, and again, he's a, he's a good pitcher. He's a fine pitcher. He's a major league pitcher. He is. And, and like the four seven ERA isn't great, 
but I also look at it, he's, he's better than that. Not much, but he is better than that uh, in my mind. But yeah, like I do wonder like how effective and how good he could be as a reliever. And I'm kind of like intrigued. Like I want to find out <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but anyways, we can move he's on. Not, he's not Bryce Wilson. No, he's not. Bryce Wilson, Bryce Wilson is not a major league pitcher. He needs to go. He and Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson is not a major league. JT Brubaker in some way, shape, or form is a major leaguer. You know, we had the debate about Zach Thompson and Bryce Wilson. Mm-hmm. And like what I talked about it is, and at that time, and of course my, my opinion is still formulating on this because they're just both bad. And this kind of goes back to Jim. When I said pick one, the real answer is neither. But like, mm-hmm. I'm like, if you had to pick one between Zach Thompson and Bryce Wilson, who would you choose? And at the time I said, like, I'm kind of leaning on Bryce Wilson because he's bad too, but he doesn't walk many people. Like he limits the damage. Yeah. He's always going to give up basically three or four earned runs, but it's like, he's only, only going to always give up three or four earned runs. Whereas like Zach Thompson could have an out of the of zero. Then he has an out of the gives up nine. That's what he presents. So like, I feel like he has more upside. Like Zach Thompson's like, like this more up here than down here. Right. Where like Bryce Wilson just does this. <laughs> so I think they both take the have very different routes to the same exit where they're both just bad. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like at the end of the day, they'll have like a five ERA, but like, when you look at baseball stuff on, right. And it shows like, the last innings or yeah. whatever, like, like Bryce Wilson's just going to stay here. Yeah. Like every outing was just four yeah. and a third, four earned runs. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And Zach Thompson will go like seven and give you zero, right? He's going to fluctuate. He'll give you some where he wins it and he'll give you some where he loses it. But anyways, uh, yeah, both need to be DFA'd. I, I will say like Bryce Wilson's. I get that. Like if, if we're going the same place and one of you takes like, a half hour longer, but we end up in the same spot. I don't care if I saved an ounce of gas. Both of us should just be gone. Whatever that means, but yes. I don't know either. It works for me. <laughs> All right. I told you, cliche guy these days. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully next year, no Bryce Wilson. There is definitely no Tyler Beatty. <sighs> no Zach Thompson, hopefully. Do you? Do we dare even talk about Miguel Yahuri? No. And is he on the team next year? Should not be. And listen, we both know I was a big Yahuri guy. I love the curveball. I love the pitchability. The guy's cooked. There's not much left. That arm is dead. Two Tommy Johns is he had two right. Or he had one, and then he had more arm issues. He had at least one. Well, Anyhow, he, I know he had arm issues. I don't. Th- yeah, I think he just had one. And then he had one Tommy John. Then he, he had arm down. issues again and got shut down. Probably should have a second, but velocity's bad. Control is awful. His arm's just done. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, we don't need to talk about him anymore then. So no, your hurry. Um. All right. So I guess with the rotation, anything else you want to talk about? I think we pretty much nailed it all. Yeah, I I mean, I think going into next year, you have a good foundation with just Keller, Ronzi. They'll probably start the year with Brubaker in the in the bullpen or God bullpen in the rotation. 
a free agent and then take your pick of there are some guys waiting. Yep. Yep. And again, I feel like Brubaker has the inside track, but we still have to fight for it. Like everyone needs to fight for a job. Brubaker has the inside track, needs to fight. And outside of like Keller and Ronzi, like they have it locked. It's theirs. Mm-hmm. Keller's opening day starter. Rowan's easier too. Who would have thought coming into this year, Mitch Keller is your opening day starter next year? Not me. I wanted to be the opening day starter last year. And then I jumped off that ship and then I swam back ashore. Yeah. Jumped off it in like the first inning of seeing him pitch again. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the hitting then. Or what hitting there was. So the person that led the team in war this year, was Brian Hayes <laughs> with his 88 weighted runs created plus and that poor solely because of his defense beach, beach ball. <laughs> what do we take about this offense? So I guess we talk about the bullpen and how, like, as far as leaps, I mean, yeah, David Bednar showed he's, he can be an elite guy after that. It was a lot of meh. There was certainly leaps in, in the rotation. Was there any leaps this year as far as hitting goes? Leaps? Any. No. I don't think there. I mean, maybe Kevin Newman. Okay, that's but that fair. was a that was a nowhere else to go but up. Also fair, but he did go up. He went up he enough up. to have consideration. We're going to have an offseason talking about do you keep yeah. Kevin Newman? Absolutely. Didn't um, think that was happening. So I think, just as Pirates fans, we are going to be overly critical of Cabrian Hayes. Because he signed a quote-unquote big contract, which really isn't big. On a competent team, he's a like six, seven hitter that oh, yeah. plays really good defense and is not even super... a six. I mean, he's a seven, eight. I was, I was rounding up. Well, now rounding the... up. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> that that's a Derek Shelton lineup right there. He's just rounding all over the place. <laughs> but now that, you know, he signed that contract, everybody's going, and he was a former top prospect. Everyone's expecting the moon of him. Mm-hmm. We're kind of at that point where he's not that guy. Do you think he could be that guy though? And by that guy, there's different levels of that guy for many people. Yeah. Because I saw someone out there on, on Twitter land. I don't know who it was, and I'm not calling him out, but I saw someone come out there and talk about how this lineup has 30 home run potential by multiple players, and they included Cabron Hayes in that. No. He's and not like, that guy. He's not that guy. But I also want to say, I don't think he can't ever be that guy. There's just some fundamental issues that's preventing him to be that guy. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to do what he needs to do to become that guy. A la Eric Hosmer all over again. Yeah. I think he's he's a guy that needs an entire swing overhaul. His contact point is awful. Really, just at this point, everything about his swing's not productive to the current major league baseball landscape. Yep. But I'm still talking about a three war player that plays incredible defense. 
and would be a very, very, very good player hitting in that seven spot on a good team. The problem is that this team needs them to be a top four hitter. And I think we could be talking about a guy that, you know, he'll, he'll put together at some point, probably a 110 WRC plus type of year. He'll catch some lightning in a bottle. But I think kind of at this point, he is what he is. He's not that great of a hitter. He hasn't been the minors. He hasn't shown it in the majors. I think we're just kind of seeing what Cabrian Hayes is. And it's not a bad baseball player. It's a pretty good baseball player. So it's just that's our a, expectations are so high. Well, in 2020, like I don't want to say ruined it, but it, it ruined it for him it, in that sense. Really because did. when he had that small sample in 2020 where he just looked like, oh, it clicked. Uh-huh. It Because just like what you said is absolutely correct. He didn't do a whole lot in the minors in that sense, but he added a lot of talent. And then 2020, he came up without a minor league season, just hit the majors and said, oh, I'm Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. <laughs> like, move out of the way. I'm the face of the franchise. I'm going to bat 150, way to run creative plus, some of this awesome defense. Like, I'm going to be an MVP. And everyone's like, oh, shit, good Brian Hayes. He's that guy. And even on prospect list, he's a top 10 prospect now because of it. And then he simply just showed that he's not that guy. But here's like the thing, like you say, he's shown spurts that he can do this stuff. And so like, I guess the question I want to ask you about Cabron Hayes, when you attach Cabron Hayes season to this three war that he had, does that like leave you pessimistic about Cabron Hayes or optimistic? It makes me hate war. Okay. I, <laughs> I know where you're going with that, but okay. I hate the fact that a guy that is that bad at the plate has a three-war season. It's just frustrating me because I'm like, yeah, the guy's good, but I want to hit her. And that's why I present it to you. Because when we talked about Cabron Hayes last season, and of course that season was – Injury filled a lot, so it never come to like fruition to really talk about in that sense. And this year, he had a full healthy season for the most part. I mean, it's still 136 games. I'm going to call that a healthy season for the most part. You know, you only missed about 30 games. Cool. So was everyone else, right? Um, he had three war. <laughs> like, how many times – and Jim, like, really, really pounded the table on this one. Like, how many times do we talk about, like, if he's, if he's just an average hitter, the dude can be a three, four war and maybe, maybe toss in a five war season here. And he showed that he had an 88 way to runs created plus the dude batted 244 on base 314. He slugged 345 and he had three war. If he's just an average hitter, yeah, this no, dude is good. <laughs> we've been talking about that for a long time. Of if he can just put up like Pablo Sandoval numbers at the plate. Holy hell. Like just a 120 WRC plus. He's he's MVP level. Yes. I don't know if it left me optimistic. I think it just kind of left me at he is what he is. I think we might catch lightning in a bottle every now and then. Hopefully. But I think he, he just is who he is. He's never going to be a really good hitter. The power's just not going to come. 
And if it does, it might be for a year or so unless something fundamentally changes with him. So I guess what I'm going to say, it did leave me optimistic. It left me optimistic in the sense that almost like the Kevin Newman, this is nowhere near as bad as Kevin Newman. I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. point that together. But it's like (laughs) you could probably imagine it can only get better for him. So if it does, Mm -hmm. and if he turns some things around and gets better, that's even more productive he's going to be. But I'm with you in the sense that I've seen enough sample size with everything to say, you know what, 2020, like he ain't that guy. Yeah, I think I've seen things to say that he could be better. There's something in there. It's going to take a whole overhaul of a swing. Like he's got to, and again, like the comparisons to Eric Cosmer to him, like just it clicks. Like Eric Cosmer hit the ball very, very hard. It just went two inches in front of the plate. And it's like, why don't you lift the ball? And he just hated it. Like he refused to. He talked about openly. And it's like, if you just would do it, I bet you would be good. (laughs) You know, like go be friends with Justin Turner. That's what you need to do. And like he refused to do it. And like where's his career gone? Like He's been traded to the Boston Red Sox because nobody wants him. And it's like, I fear that with Cabrian Hayes. I feel like he could be better. He's just not going to. And with that True. being said, even at this level, I feel like it could still be better than what it is. And he could be like a forward player just being an average hitter. Yeah, easily. He could be a four-win player on his defense alone. Like if he plays a whole season. Yeah. We're I mean, his defense brings value that people really don't understand. He is that good there. We're talking about the best third baseman in baseball. And do you think it's fair to say that he probably didn't have the best defensive season either? No, he didn't play that well there. That's what's crazy is Which, he I think was so good, but there were some plays he made were like, yeah. Brian, <laughs> is that you? And I think with the new baseballs, I heard, I think it was gone post and Kevin talking about, the new baseballs all of a sudden Kevin or Kevin God uh Cabrian Hayes struggled a bit and we saw some other players struggling a bit with the new baseball just fielding wise. Okay. Which kind of intrigued me. I'd like to look a little more into that, but I'm lazy and somebody more talented than me that could do could do that. There you go. But looking at just airs from kind of our best players around the league with the new ball. Maybe that's why Neil Cruz can't throw a baseball. I don't know. That's interesting to me too. I don't really like hear much about that, but now I'm intrigued too. I would do want to like dive into that and find out. But that's what I want to say too. Like what's funny about this is that we're talking about all this and like, I think he could be better defensively also. <laughs> we're talking about the guy who might be the best defender in baseball. Certainly at third base, him and Nolan going back to back, right? He now could be better defensively as well. Don't do that to me. We have an off season. Okay, so let's keep going. We talked about Brian Hayes. Yeah. Um, but the question was, did anyone like surprise you? Anyone stand out? Start with Kevin Newman. Yeah. Yes. Anybody else stand out offensively or take offensively? That I mean, nobody took a leap. I'm going around the diamond for me here. I mean, other than Jack Sawinski, but he didn't really. When you look at the full 
season. It's really not that great. We were surprised, I think, by just Jack Sawinski in general being a major league ball player this year. I don't think we really expected that. And being a, I mean, he was a productive major leaguer this year. He was. I think that surprised a bit. I still look at him as more of a fourth outfielder type of guy. And then aside from him, you go around the diamond. It's just a whole lot of shit. <laughs> to, to bring up Jack, like, <clears throat> kind of forgot about Rodolfo. What's funny? I'm gonna get to him. What's funny about Jack Sawinski is he showed everything. He showed he could be a really good baseball player. Mm-hmm. He showed he could be a really bad baseball player. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's and again, just everything was weird about a season. Home, how good he was, away, how bad he was. And like that just doesn't happen. When's this gonna normalize? What's he, what is he really? I'm still confused on what a Jack Sawinski is. And like what you said, at the end of the day, I'm feeling more of like the fourth outfielder vibe from him, which the thing about that is, that's kind of what I felt about him to begin with. Mm-hmm. So like you talk about the the long walk for a drink of water, whatever the hell you say. Like I felt like Jack Sawinski used this season to come back at the end of the day to say, I'm a fourth outfielder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, it really was a long walk for a short drink of water for Jack Swinsky season. We all ended up right back at square one where he is. <laughs> right. And it's not like that's not to take anything away from him. When you look at the expectations, I mean, like when he comes from the Padres, he was the number 20 ish some prospect with them at the time. You know, like he had that breakout season that year in double A where the power came, but he was nothing basically like his whole, you know, minor league career, such prospect career wise. And like, so they make the trade. You're talking, is he going to make the 40 man? What's his future? It's probably like a platoon guy, maybe a fourth outfielder. And then he comes up by force, really. And you see the at bats. And we keep talking about this. You see the at bats, and it's like the production's not there, but you know what? I'm kind of, I'm kind of intrigued by this guy. Like, he looks like a major leaguer. Now, the production's got to come, but he's playing the part. And then the production came. And it's like, yeah. well, you know what? He's good. And then the, and then there was some podcaster that said, you know what? There's some pop in that bat. And then another podcaster said, eh. And then the other podcaster said, I think there's some pop in that bat. And the other podcaster said, eh. I and was the right. the one podcaster was right. I was right. Eh. You weren't being definitive. You You were the talking about the home pop. I was talking about the away pop. <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> I will take the argument. Right. He doesn't have pop in his away bats. He doesn't bring that one with him on the road. That's fair. But yeah, I, we all ended up on the same page here. I didn't, we, at the beginning of the year, we did not know. We thought he could be a fourth outfielder. At this point, we kind of know he's a fourth outfielder at worst. I can't even say that. I feel more comfortable that he could be a fourth outfielder. At the end of the day, I feel he's more of a fourth outfielder than a regular player. 
but it's just because this season was just all over the place with him. I just need more. Like I need him. I need to see Jack Swinsky next year to find out what he is. Well, the real Jack Swinsky, please stand up because if he's what he was in the middle part of the season, he's not even a fourth outfielder. He's just yeah. organizational depth. But if he is anything like he was in June, this dude's an everyday player, an asset, a three to four win player with a bat. And to get to defensively, that's what surprised me. I think the most, his defense was good. Yeah. I mean, he did play very good defense, which was a very needed surprise. Because this team was full of a lot of really bad outfield defense. For sure. Played by a lot of infielders and even some outfielders. So that's what gets me with him. That was my biggest surprise with him. Because again, this whole season, just at the end of the day, I don't have much of a definitive answer what he is. I'm still unknown. But the glove is what surprised me. And honestly, like to have him in a pinch at center field, I'm okay with that. Like I feel okay because. We're going to probably talk some more about maybe Brian Reynolds' mm-hmm. future in center mm-hmm. during this offseason. And I feel like Jack kind of helps that. It's not that he's going to be a center fielder, but it's like if you need to put Jack in there a game or two, I'm okay. Yeah, and just to go back to him being a surprise, I think if we go back to the offseason, we look at the entire outfield depth. He's probably like sixth or seventh on that list of guys we want to see this year. Maybe fifth of the outfield prospects that we wanted to see before him. You mean heading into 2022? Yes. Oh, my bad. Yeah, that's fair. Good Lord. Let's open your ears. Hey, man. It's been an hour 20. <laughs> no, but I mean, we look at, but you look at like a, it, even throw a Juwan Bay in there. You look at a Kanan Smith and Jigba, uh, Swaggerty, Cal Mitchell, eh. There were a lot of guys on that outfield list that I think we were very excited to see. And we even, I think everybody talked about the outfield depth on this team. Maybe not up the middle, but there was a lot of outfield depth. It kind of shriveled up pretty quick. Well, and I think the, the fair thing about it too was there's a lot of depth. It wasn't quality. There was a lot of guys. And this year was finding out like who was the guy. But I'm with you too. Like to me, Cal Mitchell and Sawinski are kind of like neck and neck. Like that, that was, kind of, I was way more optimistic about like all the others, I think. And, and Swaggerty was, it was more or less uh, a health thing. Like, how's he going to yeah. come back? He's going to have the inside track in my mind. And actually, the funny thing is, is he was the one left out. Yeah. And even look, Cal Mitchell, I think we're on the same page here. I'm going forward kind of out on him but if you look at his minor league numbers he the minor league numbers suggest that he would be the guy and turns out he's not those numbers are the one thing though that let me depending on how this roster is constructed and i mean he has options it's not like he has to leave the team Mm -hmm. but um i'm not totally writing him off in the future now we know he's not good defensively Bad. But I'm not totally writing him off. All right. So let's get to Castro. Because to me, Castro is definitely one that took a leap. Yeah. 
in my eyes, I just felt like he was more of like organizational depth. I mean, this team's loaded with middle infielders. There's plenty more in the pecking order, kind of like your Sawinski comp. You want to see way more guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, Castro put a fine season together. And there's a lot of intrigue with him that I just I need to find out more of. Yeah. You mentioned that Swinski comp. I think that's very, very good. Um, he was a guy that you heard about the Marcanos, you heard about the Bays, you heard about all these other guys, mainly because we did see Castro last year. Cruz. Wasn't great. And then on that, but like you saw Pagero and Gonzalez Pagero, coming up. Gonzalez. Like, they're going to leapfrog Castro. Right. God, just go down the list. Hell, Hoy Park last year. Diego Castillo. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, coming into this year, I think there was more intrigue with Diego Castillo. Yep. After spring training. Rodolfo, we saw him last year. He, last year, didn't look like a major leaguer. Even Except for the first five hits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, he did not look like a major leaguer. Sure. And then it, you've mentioned it many times. The guy has tools out the wazoo. Tools are everywhere for him. Pitch selection's not great, but guy hits for power. Guy's got speed. Guy plays a good second base. Plays a decent third base. We just kind of saw it slightly come together enough that he looks like a an actual useful major leaguer right now that has some incredibly needed power in this lineup. And that's the big thing with him, is that he has the pop that there's not much in, even in the minor league system, there's not a guy that hits balls like him. Right. The hit tool might be there with a lot of guys. It's not, there's not that pop. Correct. Correct. So I'll put it this way. And obviously we know about, we haven't talked about Uno Cruz. We've talked plenty of him anyways, but regardless, like here's something that if Castro can hit and be that guy and Uno Cruz can hit and be that guy, that really helps this team out as far as construction part of having like a Cabrian Hayes as your third baseman. Because if he's not going to be able to put up that type of power, but the defense he provides, right? Like, like think about like, so he just becomes your pseudo shortstop. <laughs> he's the glove guy at short and Cruz the third baseman, like as far as like the lineup goes in that sense. Like having Cash with the pop he has and Cruz the pop he has can really help save this lineup in ways where you can afford to have like a Cabrian Hayes at third base hitting seven to 10 home runs a year. Yeah. Cause yeah. he doesn't need to now at this point. Yeah. And then you look at Castro worst case scenario. He does at this point look much more at his floor as a bench bat. That's very, very useful in a utility guy. He's not a Josh fan meter coming off the bench. Oh God. No. He's a guy with actual talent that maybe likely won't put up the batting average that you hope for as a major leaguer or even the offense, but he's a guy that does play a second and third pretty well. Doesn't really play in the outfield, but he's still a utility infielder that has talent in the bat and can give you above average defense. 
Yep. And like something. the thing too is, and he, he also hits lefties well. Bad too. And he can, he can play short in a pinch, which isn't pretty, but he can do it. That's fair to say. You don't want to play short, but if it's a necessity, he can do it. <laughs> it's once again, it's not Josh Van Meter. No, but I'm with you, man. Like I was pretty much just kind of casting him off. Like he's just a guy, whatever. We got plenty more in middle infielders on this club that that's, you know, something to worry about. And at this point in time, he's the one that stands out. Like he's the one that's like, I am giving him every opportunity next year to show me what he has and win this second base job. Because with those tools, as we talk about, like his ceiling, what he could do is, is tantalizing. It is. I'm not saying he's going to hit it, but I'm going to let allow him the opportunity to do it next year. Because if he can, that's what we're talking about. Like what you talk about with Mitch Keller, if Castro is that guy, and you've been saying this all along too, like this, this rebuild needs that guy that comes out of nowhere and, and is somebody. And if Castro can be that guy, what it changes to this whole entire organization rebuild, because Cruz is going to be a short for the time being, and he's going to be good. How good? We don't know yet, but he's going to be good. <laughs> Uh, if, if Cruz and Castro are your middle infielders right now, base size is that like utility role because he can play outfield, unlike Castro, as you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. So he can be like that utility type of dude. You don't you don't need to bank on Gonzalez and Figaro, right? As much as you do at this point. And the way Gonzalez and Figaro's careers have gone, I don't know if you can truly bank on it. Right. So one of those or maybe both or whatever, like start turning into trade chips. Oh, you, you need that frontline starter. Let's package something. Let's get it. Like that's what having a cash show presents for this club. Right. So again, that's why I'm giving him every opportunity to, to do that. I want him to, here's the keys, earn it, but I'm giving you that opportunity because you, you can change the dynamic of this team so much in doing so. Yeah. We, we talk about it all the time that, I mentioned it. You mentioned it that they need a guy like a Castro to step up. You look across the playoffs right now; they are full of guys that were not really prospects. They have their top prospects, but they're still two or three guys that were not prospects that came up and surprised everybody. Mm -hmm. The Pirates look back to whenever they were good. I know it's hard to look back to that. Josh Harrison. Yeah. Neil Walker really wasn't a prospect. He was written off at that point. Just there are a good bit of guys. Well, Charlie Morton, Jeff Locke. Guys that just ate innings. You need dudes like that in order to become one of these playoff teams. For sure. For sure. So I'm definitely excited about Castro. I really am. Like his second half of this season, like what he showed that he was able to do, it has me excited. I want to see more. I do too. I do. Um, and if he sucks, oh well. He you're back to where you were. But yeah. you found out. You found out. You need to find out. Like what he did this year, you need to find out. <laughs> yeah. He's still so young. And, and that's the thing we keep talking about and the, the whole Kevin Newman thing. Like, 
the way the middle infielder is like, that's where you can afford to have these young guys because that's where the talent is. That's where the hype is. There's nothing at first base. There's where you get your veterans. There's not much at corner outfielders. That's where you get your veterans. But by God with Bay Cruz and Castro in your middle infield right now, they need the opportunities to find out what those, the guys are. Everything else is just waiting. Right. Because if it's not, then you need to find out if, yeah, like G's that guy or Figueroa's that guy or whatever. But yeah, like those three guys are here now. Bay's here, Casho's here, Cruz is here. You need to see them. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Um, we didn't even talk about Reynolds, but down year for him as well. Mm-hmm. Still a good year. Like I'm not, I'll take it away. It's not like he had a bad year, but it was a down year. I mean, it, basically, his worst got in half. <laughs> Bad defensively. That's my yeah. biggest takeaway from him. You're not going to put up 150 WRC plus seasons a year in, year out. I don't think anyone expected Reynolds to either. But 125 weight runs created plus from your center fielder. I'll take that every single day. But not defense. his defense. <laughs> not great. I mean, we saw it. We did see it all year. He wasn't. It's not just the metrics. He wasn't great out there. He's getting older. I mean, he's what twenty seven. He'll be twenty eight next year. Nothing I'm but losing tw- seasons. But go ahead. I I'm twenty nine. I know these old legs don't work like they used to. I can't patrol center field like I once could. Could you though? Oh yeah. I know you're on cover of Madden once. You're on cover of the show. I could have been. Okay, but. <laughs> No, I really do, and it it needs to be a serious conversation this offseason about moving him back to a corner, and not only just because of his outfield defense. If you are serious about Brian Reynolds being part of your future, keeping him in center field does nothing for you. I'm with you. And, like, the biggest thing, too, is he was never viewed as a center fielder to begin with. No. He was kind of thrown in there – it was out of necessity, out of need, and then it was like, "Oh, you you actually played it pretty decently." Yep. And then he was like, "Yes, like this is actually what I am this year." Uh, he fooled us. We were hoodwinked. Yeah. And I think he kind of demonstrated that. I'm not going to say like that last year was a fluke season by any means. I mean, he had to play good defense that whole entire year, but I feel way more comfortable him at corner than yeah. I do in center. And I think, too, what that presents is the fact that, just going back to what I said, Castro, Cruz, Bay, like Bay's going to have to see Thomas Centerfield to get his at-bats and mm-hmm. reps in. And I, I do see, I'm not saying he's going to be out of center field all the time. He'll definitely see his shots in center field. But I think next year presents the transition. You find out what Bay is. And if Bay, like if we're talking the same way we're talking about Castro right now, of course, Bay will have a whole year of doing so, but like at the end of the year, Bay, you're talking the same sense of him. Like, okay, he's a good player. That that might just be his job now. Like now he's your center fielder. And again, that solves quite a bit. Yeah, and I also think it's something that if you're looking at Brian Reynolds as someone part of your future, which we still don't know what the Pirates' plan is there. Mm-hmm. If he is actually part of your future, is him wasting his legs playing center field every night worth the drop off in the bat 
to me, not nope, at all. Because they're not going to be good this year. Not at all. Which means I, they're not going to be good the following year. They'll be better, hopefully. Which means, if, are you going to do that for two <laughs> years? And then once you're good, Brian Reynolds is cooked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if I'm looking at Brian Reynolds, if they're, this team is not going to be good next year, and it seems by all accounts they're not really planning on taking a giant step forward next year, Brian Reynolds is going to get as many DH at-bats as possible for me if he's planned on being in the future yeah. competitive team. He will get every single DH bat he can because I'm going to save them legs as long as I can. Yeah, playing we'll center see, field I, is not easy. I don't think next year is the year where it happens. I don't think next year is the year it's like, okay, you're not playing center, but I think next year begins the transition. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully Bay is good enough to do it. But if not, then they need to find a center fielder. And I think it's, yeah. again, like, you can have power in the corner. Reynolds presents that. You don't need it in center. I'll stop. If the, if I'll, the I'll stop there. <laughs> because I'm with you. We've said it before. I'm not telling that Cruz will be a center or a shortstop his entire career. But he needs to, to show it right now. You need to find out right now. You give him every opportunity because we can present. But let me put it this I'm, way. I'm just saying what a fine center fielder he could be if shortstop doesn't work out. <laughs> let me put it this way. If O'Neill Cruz plays shortstop like he did this year, I would highly entertain him moving the center field. And center, not it a corner. Was this whole right field corner center. Center. Because he has the athleticism to be center. And imagine... Because I think I think he will be better than he was this year short. But if he were to continue to do what he did this year, which wasn't bad, but not good enough for me, I'm fully going to entertain him being in center. And I'm okay with that. Again, I'm okay with that. That at point you proved it. But again, center's the play, not right. Exactly. I'm with oh you. Oh my god. <laughs> O'Neill Cruz, it's the same thing for shortstop. It's why you're ten, like you're Jim's telling us short. bad take. Like we are saying if worst case scenario happens. Right. We're, if we're he's players. bad. Unlike him who can't plan to be on a show. Shut up, Jim. Thoughts on signing Aaron Judge? We we have Aaron Judge at home. <laughs> His name's O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um what are the guys that we really want to talk about? Because most of them aren't really on the club anymore. That, like, you look at top 10 in war for the hitters. Like, number seven is Roberto Perez still. Yeah. Number eight is Vogelbach. Number 10 is Marisnik. G1 Bay's number 11th hitter on the team as far as war. He played in 10 games. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I have no other hitter to talk about. I'm with you. All the trash needs to go. The only thing I'll say is the catching position. I don't know what's going to come about it, but I would entertain a return of Perez. I know I've tweeted this more. I don't think I've talked about it, but I would entertain a return of Perez because Endy's there. Henry's there. They're coming up. 
um, at some point, right? And Perez is that veteran there to help Endy, especially because I think honestly at this point too, like I hate Jim so much. Endy's the catcher. Endy's. Yeah. I believe in Henry so far. Like I'm, I want to see this through. This year in Double A was not good. A lot of injuries. Well, it's just the one injury, the hand injury, is a big part of that. I want to see what we can do next year. I'm not writing him off yet, but Endy is so intriguing. He's going to be here next year for sure. To have Perez there, helping him out. You got the DH. You can have a three-man tandem, all catchers playing everywhere. Endy can play second, outfield. Endy Davis first. can play DH. First. Maybe, the, first. maybe the well, first. Uh, not Endy. First, so I'm saying Davis maybe. What Either Davis got. Give me a yeah, better. I feel like Andy's, Andy's too athletic. It's the same thing. Like, he's too athletic. He's so valuable doing a, all the other stuff. Give me a darn bat at first base. Also, I'm telling I, you, Andy should start the year with the major league club. He I'm should. slightly upset that Andy did not get like that because he's not Odell going to cruise. Because he's not going to start, and they don't want to make know. that mistake again. But regardless, um, yeah. The catching sucked, but it sucked all around. Uh, I feel like they'll sign Perez back. It just seems like the writing's on the wall. Like that's going to happen. It should be. I mean, it's probably he... going to be a cheap signing, like two, three million dollars. Yeah, I think he's fine. He's he's a fine signing. He's a fine catcher. He won't be there long. He's a good backup. I'm he's way better, better than... this year than it was last year. Only yeah. because of ND and yeah. Davis. And because he should because he shouldn't be expected to catch 120 games this year. Exactly. If he's catching 120 games next year, something went wrong and it was horrible. Right. And you have to you have to have room for Andy Rodriguez. You have to. So like you're not going out there to sign an everyday catcher. So mm-hmm. Andy comes up and yeah. catches once a week. And then right. what do you do with him? You know, find ways. So Andy, when he's here, will be catching a lot. So that's why Perez to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. It has been an hour and 45 minutes, Nardo. Let's get out of here. Thank I told you, you we not to do all these. I'll be sober tonight. We'll get through it. I am. That's I the know. problem. It's been it's the problem. Um, let's get out of here then. Anyone we have more people watching right now. I, I think we did all show. It's because Jim how, showed up. Why are you guys here? <laughs> We've been talking about the 2022 Pirates for one hour and 44 minutes. Why are you here? I don't know. Why am I here? All right. Before we go, the um, the fanboy voting ended tonight. I deleted all the tweets, but I screenshot them so that way no one can see them if you haven't seen them. Uh, so a week from today, the fanboys will be on. Jim will return. We're so oh, we're blessed to get Jim on the show. Can't wait. Can't wait. So yeah, Jim, Tyler, myself, the fanboys next week. Tune in nine o'clock. Have some fun. We out. We're out. Bye bye. Peace out, Scouts. Oh, 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 oh